This episode of Brigadier Radio features a new look, but with the same great taste you love, guaranteed. Guaranteed, not an actual guarantee. Uh, the expectations are high, and it's a great roster. Uh, to be able to join join something like that is super exciting, and uh, you know I can't wait to get started. Um, really looking forward to it. Uh, excited to uh, be part of this team and see what can uh, what can happen. I'm definitely fortunate that we were able to get this done, and um, I'm very happy, and um, you know, couldn't be more excited. Across for Rantanen. Rantanen shoots. He scores. Greetings one and all, near and far, reaching your ears wherever you are. Welcome to Burgundy Radio. I am Vlad, your new but not entirely new to you, host of Burgundy Radio. Joining me on this new adventure are Earl 06. Hey Earl, how's it going? It's going great, Vlad, thanks. Also joining us is Tiger Vixen. Hey Jackie, how you doing? Hello, hello, I'm good. All right. So before we begin, I'd like to say thank you to Steph for everything you've done for the podcast you've steered this ship through playoff highs and abysmal lows and after the great cupcake revolution of 2017 that led to the birth of burgundy review you didn't miss a beat as our tight-knit community embarked on a brand new adventure and i'll do my best to keep things afloat and keep this ship sailing wherever it'll go thank you for your support in my transition to full-time host and i really appreciate you having my back here here as far as things go here we are in the preseason. Uh, the Avs are coming off of three games, two of which we have not been able to watch for various reasons. And we have one more preseason game left here on the schedule tomorrow as the Avs wrap it up against Dallas here at Ball. Uh, I'd like to know, what are your thoughts so far on how things have progressed with preseason play from what we have been able to see and things we've just been able to piece together? I will say, first of all, it's very disappointing that there were two games we were not able to watch at all. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, who cares about preseason and all that, but these roster battles are interesting, and these new guys that inevitably will play, even if they're not making the roster now, you know they're going to call some of these guys up, so it really is important to watch it. But, um, you know... The record's one in four, and I really don't care about wins and losses, but some of the offensive contributions have been a little concerning. Like the bulk of their offense came from Miko and Burakovsky doing their incredibly skilled thing in a couple of the games. And aside from that, a lot of the lines have been pretty disjointed. Yeah, I've I've looked at this preseason. <clears throat> I, I think they've they've kind of swung from being very heavy on prep for the season to really focusing on 
seeing where their depth is and, and trying to fit guys that, that haven't been with the team previously um, into their roles. And I think it's, I think it's been a little too focused on that. And I, I think because of that, it's, it, it's kind of made for a little lack of chemistry, lack of consistency of, of line mates and, uh, and even sort of rosters, you know, that there was really very little consistency of the rosters from, from game to game to game to game. And I, I, I think the abs are good enough to be able to start kind of fresh on opening night and maybe not be completely blasting right away and, and be able to sort of work themselves into shape over the, the course of October and early November. I was just going to say, you know that they'll be able to start with the things they know, the top line, you know, probably Sam and EJ is going to be a thing. So at least those familiar pieces they know yeah. work. Um, and I think the questions, you know, they, they, <laughs> they go to basically everything else. Um, and that's, I, I think that, again, that's something that, you know, a lot of the times we've seen the Avs really kill it in October and November. They go through their usual December swoon. Um, and that's when, that's when questions pop up that they probably would have liked to have addressed during preseason. And maybe this is part of that. <clears throat> you know, maybe shifting, getting the lines working together uh, over the first 10 games or so that that may alleviate the problems that they they generally find in in mid December and, and again in in February um fairly consistently over the last few years so well a few big th- aspects of that is we're really going to see again who are the real call ups are they willing to use any younger guys to help mitigate some of those slides or is it going to be the Sakura, Mateo, McEwen, Gilbert yeah. show. And and we'll and we'll see. Like I, I was gonna say about the preseason rosters is I like that guys like Cout and Bowers and Justin Barron are getting extensive looks. Like I also didn't mind that they gave Oscar Lawson three games, even though they knew that there was no way he was gonna make the team. But I think it is important to to get these different looks in preseason but to your point is that it was just so different from game to game so it's like even if you were giving you know Bowers or Justin Barron a chance their partners and their line mates were different every single game and then also some of the rosters were to a detriment like when they rolled out uh, against Vegas that's all 7D defense (laughs) like you're not (laughs) I don't care if you're just evaluating, like you're not doing your entire team any favor. Yeah, obviously part of, you know, having some defensive issues is that, you know, your top pair has been injured all preseason. So it's, you know, everyone is regardless of where they are, whether they're the, you know, 15th defenseman or the second defenseman and they're, you know, they're playing up a line. Um, well, you can easily avoid playing your eight through 15 all in the same yeah. game. Like I don't mind that they have played, but you just you just have to know what you're doing, and when you put them all in the same and it, and sure it's not about wins and losses, but how can you evaluate everybody else? How can you evaluate what the forwards are doing when you're getting that poor of a performance from your back end? Right. 
So would it be fair to say that the uh, giving these these other guys these extended looks now in preseason, would it be fair to say that the pendulum has swung a little too far the other way in the preseason to give these guys this extended time and not allowing them to build that chemistry if the lineups are continuing to change from game to I game? I think so. I mean, I, I but I, I, again, with McCarr and, and Taves out, you know, they're kind of limited in what they can do as far as like the, you know, the opening night or sort of season long top lineup. Um, so they do have to work around that every game, but. Yeah, you're not going to give your ultimate five man unit what you want, but the top line hasn't even played a game together. No, and you wonder about like, you know, are they trying to do something such that, you know, other teams can't scout them? We know how they like to be furtive and, and, and such about things but i i do think it's interesting that the the top line hasn't played together and that gabe has you know gabe played early but he hasn't played since and sort of just the way they're using the good veterans is is very sparing and very it's kind of weird well and and we'll know a lot in the last game tomorrow which for the abs is usually like the dress rehearsal it's usually pretty close to their final answer so they might have one young guy or two in there that might not quite be the opening night roster it's gonna be and they can do close. whatever they want in that game because it's not being broadcast so no one will have tape <laughs> <laughs> well the other team will have one of us will be there at least <laughs> yeah from my crystal clear perch. <laughs> I'll be there too because it drives me absolutely mental to not be able to just watch this stuff. It's crazy. So I try to go to the games that aren't televised. It, it used to be the final game of preseason was kind of special because, you know, either it was um, the Frozen, what, what do they call it? The Frozen Fury? Yeah, the Frozen Fury in Vegas, or th- that one year where they had it down at the Broadmoor and and down at the Coliseum in in Colorado Springs and things like that. You know, it's it, it was always kind of a big deal, and they they did make it a dress rehearsal and things like that. And it's like here we are, like they chose the Vegas game to be the one that they broadcast and sort of. And that one was terrible. That was the one that they decided what would it look like if we dressed right. But I mean, it's the two decided that was the good game because it was you know the playoff rematch, (laughs) and the Avs were like, you know what? Nope. (laughs) Like, what would happen if you played Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, and no defense? (laughs) Not pretty. Instead of Mac getting frustrated and yelling at everybody, he just stopped caring. <laughs> <laughs> he never, he didn't start caring. Let's just put it that way. I don't know. Which is okay. I get it. Like, I'm not worried about him, but he definitely had no right to be mad at anybody else that yeah. game. Discretion was the better part of Valor. So, yeah, him. it's just been weird. Between that, like, I almost feel like the best games were the first two. The one that they played in Vegas and then the first one at home against Minnesota. And then it's just been this weird mismatch of things. Yeah, I mean, then. my, you know, my viewing is none of them because successful. those were, you know, two of the three that I got to watch. So I, I, I think Vlad is on to something with it that they, they probably did swing the pendulum a little too far to the other side as far as eschewing all kinds of prep for the season to evaluate, you know, sort of their depth. Uh, more than focusing on getting ready for the season. But, I mean, we're really not going to know until opening night how that's going to play out. You know, it's like if they just look like no chemistry, 
totally unprepared for the season on opening night, then you know, I, I think that's a signal that you know they really should have tried a little harder. Well, like I said, I really think they're going to lean on the things they know. The top line, Sam and EJ, if Makar's playing, hopefully, you know, that's just going to make a big difference on its own. So, But they're really going to have to lean on that stuff until they're able to see what anybody else well, can, can I, do. Well, but the thing is, like, if you're, you know, Chicago going into that game, it's like, you're, you know, you're obviously like, you know, I hope the McKinnon line doesn't kill us, but we're going to try to exploit those lower lines that really haven't played together. Well, I think that's going to be the game plan, not just the first game of the season. That's going to be the game plan all year. It's just it's going to be a matter of if the opponent has a deep enough forward core to be able to do that. For me, that game is going to be a, more of a, my focus is going to be on the goaltending because now the uh, the Avs have a Darcy Kemper that's relatively untested. And to me, hasn't really looked all that good in the preseason games I've been able to see. Granted, he was only in the one, uh, the Minnesota game that and he only played what two periods there but now the blackhawks have a flurry and the abs kind of don't yeah yeah regardless of where you, you stand you know the abs still had a you know their hands full with flurry in the vegas series and now they got to go up against that to start things off again R- regardless of how chicago is in terms of the entire makeup of their roster flurry is still pretty good yeah yeah i think goaltending is a good point and um from what Bednar said was the game that wasn't televised. I think the one in Minnesota was, was the untelevised one at the beginning of this week that Kemper played. And Bednar said that he was really happy with this performance and he stopped a lot of really good grade A chances. But I agree with you in the two that we've been able to see him play, he hasn't really looked like, or we didn't see last night either, but definitely one of the goals was, you know, unscreened. You don't want to see that one. That's why it's just so frustrating trying to remember what we've seen, what we haven't seen. So that's why so disjointed. But anyway, my point is that Bednar really emphasized he liked Kemper in that middle game. But it is fair to say that maybe he he also kind of took a step back towards not amazing in the third game he yeah, played. I, mean, I, I think it's wise to not take a lot out of preseason as far as goalies go. Because, you know, like you've said, Jackie, you're, you're dealing with a lot of lower tier defensemen. And and no yeah. chemistry in front of you, um, and you know this might carry over a little bit into the beginning of the year. And we don't know Darcy Kemper that well. I can't tell you if he's a slow starter or you know if he's kind of like Frank, where it's like once once he gets going, he gets hot and you just can't score on him, kind of thing. But I, I do think it's going to be very different once the games become real. That that's one reason why you know if they didn't put a lot of effort into preparing for the season during preseason. I don't really mind it because you really can't get a lot of out of preseason from like the top veterans, you know, especially like, you know, if Miko Mack and Gabe went out there and, and like, you know, got three scored on them and, and couldn't get a shot on goal kind of thing, it really wouldn't bother me a lot. And conversely, like if they went out there and scored five goals, it wouldn't mean that much either. I mean, it just no matter what they do, it's not going to matter that much once the season starts. I think they're just going to find that extra gear that they have and, and be totally different players. I think it sort of that matters. It is more about the process than like literally the goals and the score in preseason. Like you, you want to see them play well. 
it's nice when you see individually skilled plays like the stuff that Miko and Berkey were doing. It's just nice to have that reminder and also for the guys to have the confidence and things like that. Little things like that do matter, but I mean, you're not going to worry about yeah, it's, those it's guys It's nice either. to see that they have the timing down. But I'm not like worried about any of the top guys because we know what they can do. We know what their expectations are. Just, you know, are they going to rely on them more this year? Because I think we can all admit the depth isn't as good, at least in the forwards. I think the defense can be just as good. I think the goaltending can be just yeah, as good. That's that's kind of the big question. Like, Yeah, because then you open up a Pandora's box about the uh, magical mystery tour that is Nazem Kadri. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, I, I really am not worried about him either. I don't think he's going to like get suspended again. I think EJ and Landy are just as likely to be the next guy that gets a suspension. I mean, suspension so, isn't I mean, what you worry about with Nas. I mean, it's like the, the last half of last year is what you worry about with Nas. It's like, is there an excuse he why he like suddenly no couldn't shoot the puck anymore? <laughs> <clears throat> and, it, and it wasn't just that. It's just, you know, Bednar really you know, seemed kind of down on his play in general and not just, you know, like, like he's pretty, he, he knows like a shooting percentage slump when he did, but it's like, you know, the, the rest well, of the, the play on the ben ice. Cares <clears throat> it's, it's the playing hard. It's the battle. It's, it's, he hates soft play. You know, Nas can e- easily fall into that where he just, all he wants to do is make a skilled play and, and kind of forget the other stuff. Like, yeah, he had a terrible start with Saad. Remember, like, they were all responsible for basically all the goals against the first couple weeks of the season. And they did slowly dig out of that. And he had a decent middle. But, yeah, the last 20 games or so, he just doing nothing. Yeah. He did seem to break out of that coming into the playoffs. And then, of course, the suspension happened. <laughs> so we don't know exactly how well that would have played throughout the remainder of the Avs run of the playoffs. But there was at least that. I mean, he probably still would have been crappy, <laughs> but he would have been better than Joe losing every D-zone draw. So um, I think it would have helped some. I don't know if that would yeah, have been I, the difference. I, I just think it's tough to, to say that you know, you think Nas is just going to be back to the way he was and the good Nas that was contributing a lot last year. I mean, it's like, you know, he's getting up in years. I do feel like contract year, contract years are a real thing. And for a guy like him that isn't going to be able to get money based on his reputation that's pretty damaged now, that guy has to break. Right, but I mean, everybody wants to put up points, especially in a contract year, but, you know, can he? Um, and and it's not just that he has the responsibility of running that line. You know, Burkowski has taken a lot more responsibility. We've seen in in what he does, he's very good at transitioning the puck out of the defensive zone and through the neutral zone and making the the zone entries. He's always been a little timid shooting the puck, and we wish he would shoot more. You know, he needs to get the puck to Nas more to to be able to get Nas the the kind of chances that he needs to to create. And then you've got Nuke, who's really good at recovery and neutral zone defense. But you know, none of those guys are very good in the defensive zone. And you just you worry about what that's going to look like when they're going up against an opponent top line, opponent second line. You know, it's some teams it's obviously not going to matter. But you know, good teams—they generally have a second line that that's probably going to be better than the Avs. 
Yeah, and that's probably where the defense comes in. That's where they're really going to try to hold their competitive yeah. advantage. I mean, they have to. I mean, that's that's what makes every line on the Avs better is the fact that their defense is going to be better than everyone else. Like with Nas, I still think he has talent and ability, and he is an NHL veteran and all all this and that. Like, I don't think he's bringing nothing to to the table like say comfort but you know i think he'll be better probably not as good as when he first came here but he's going to be better than last year i will say though for as much as preseason doesn't matter i did not want to see that game <laughs> from him in the in the game i saw like yeah he got hit he got laid out because he was trying to dance and toe drag in right in the middle of the slot you are going to get your ass laid out when you that like who do you think you are dude (laughs) like you are leaving yourself open to get hit and the whole thing that transpired from that how they got pissed and that's fine that they have some bad blood against minnesota like who doesn't (laughs) (laughs) and then he then what did he do like threw his stick or threw a wild stick and got himself a misconduct (laughs) it's just like dude you know i was even fighting him back against all these stupid narratives about him but just like come on just grow up dude just be an nhl player yeah like, i mean I, I i think he does kind of have to prove that that you know he can rise above a little bit yeah definitely and i really do think he can i think it is in him but he just can't do any of that once the season starts He's really got to focus on trying to help this team on the scoreboard and nowhere well, else. I know we talked about this a bunch today, but you know, I, I see big problems with this line for, for reasons I mentioned, you know, just they're as far as second lines in the NHL go, they're, they're kind of weak. You know, to me, Kadri is a, is a good third line center. I think he's a little over his head as a second line center. Um, I think Burakovsky can play, you know, anywhere in the top nine and be fine, but you know, he's he's more of a complimentary guy. He's not going to be as good if the quality of teammates isn't there. And, you know, I, I, I really worry about Nachushkin being over his head on a line like that because what he and Jost were able to do last year together in sort of a grinder third line role, you know, they were really able to shut teams down and, and keep the puck in the offensive zone, sort of, you know, defense by possession. Really good suppression numbers. And it, you're you're losing that by putting Nachushkin on that line. I wish there were two nukes. I wish there was a nuke that you could play on the second and then on the third line. Right, and that, because... that's what that's what you know. I'm sort of leading into how long is it going to take before the staff kind of look at, at what's going on if it's not successful. And I'm not saying it will be, but it, you know the the chance is definitely there before they start really moving guys around the lineup. I don't have as much of a problem with Nuke on the second line. Like, I don't think he can keep up offensively with Burkowski and Kadri, but I think those two have enough offense on their own that if it's working as a unit and Nuke is doing some of the heavy lifting, that it can work. But it just totally washes out the third yeah. line. Like, it's it's now just what Jost and whoever they can come up with it seems like any idea they've had. Like, they've tried all the young guys with Joe <laughs> throughout camp and preseason, and then he'll show up in the game, and it'll be some different combination, and none of it's right. working. Right, and it, I, you know, obviously we couldn't see the game last night in Dallas, but, you know, it, it looked like 
I mean, it looked kind of like they abandoned Jost in the third period. And, you know, maybe that's just sort of what they feel Jost brings. You know, they really wanted the offense. You could tell they were really going heavily on the guys they thought they could produ- produce some points. And, you know, that's not a ringing endorsement for, for, for what they, you know, if, if Jost is going to be the veteran on on what that third line was last night with, with Sampo and Newhook, that's not a ringing endorsement for being sort of the solid vet. Well, I think there's going to be another vet. It's either going to be Comfort, it's going to be Helm. It's not going to be Jost and two young guys. I don't even think it'll be Jost and like Maltsev. It's going to be some some older yeah. guys. You know, it's like the more we delve into this, the more it looks like it's just there's you know a little bit of flux on the second, more flux third, and then the fourth looks kind of set. But it's like if you need those guys to sort of move up and and you know bring what they have or whether it's experience or face-off ability or, or whatever you know it it really does look like they're gonna have to be playing around with the bottom nine guys a bunch in the first you know 10-15 games of the season and, and again i don't have a big problem with that as long as they're willing to look for solutions to things that aren't working and and, and not stick with things too long and then it always gets back to, do they need to break up the top line? Just kind of spread things out. And then when that dries up, they always got to go back to the top line. And I get it. It works. Like, it, it's one of the best lines in hockey. But, like, can Miko drive his own line? Like, they've tried Landy on a different line. But have they ever really thought about Miko driving his own line? Would that make yeah, the team better? And that's really tough because just because McKinnon and Miko are so good together. But I think Miko's more than good enough to drive I do too. It just doesn't seem like they think that way. That's it's always Gabe is the guy that moves. Which is funny because when when Bednar was asked that, he went into like a long several minute answer, and it was all about moving Landy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wait, you, there's a, there's another guy, you right? Can move. I mean, we've seen Mac. Like you can put like Jost and Logan O'Connor with Mac, and he's going to do okay because. I mean, he doesn't really rely on his line mates all that much. Like, he can create on his own. Well, he doesn't pass to anybody no, he doesn't he, trust. No, he doesn't like it. He doesn't <laughs> pass. It's just the way it is. <clears throat> so it seems like, you know, it's the, I mean, you've got Miko, who's just, you know, quietly one of the best players in the league and doesn't get as much press. No, not at all. I think he is. It's probably a hot take for a lot of people, but I think he's in the conversation with McKinnon as the best player on the team. Like, I don't think it's definitive that McKinnon's better than I, Miko. I mean, I think you can take certain things that there... I, I think Nate would admit there are certain things that Miko does better than he. I mean, like, Miko is a better shooter. There's no doubt about it. Miko is just more creative. Mac uses his speed to protect the puck. Miko uses his body and his reach. You know, they're different players. They do different things very well. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I, I think if, if they're struggling to find something that's going to work, it really would make sense to say like, you know, why don't we try Miko on, on the second line with some other guys and, and see what he can do, you know, working without a net for the first time. Yeah, that'd be nice. He's so good at it, too. It's like, I guarantee you when you see Miko play for Team Finland in the Olympics, you're going to see him behind the net a lot. wonder why the abs don't do that. But I guess we should also talk about the kind of the silent battle that maybe people don't realize is a battle is between Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook. I think it's very much in question between the two. See, I've disagreed with this all through camp. 
I tend to think that the Avs decided the way the lineup was going to look in the summertime like they always do. Oh, well, they do. I mean, the whole, like, come to camp and win a job is just <laughs> such a myth. But I, I'm not saying that's happening here at all. I mean, they played him in the second round of the playoffs. It's not just like this. Where'd this guy come from? He might make the team. Right. Like, this is something that, that they must have thought about as a possibility. But as far as Newhook goes, I mean, he's played more meaningful games than, than Sampo, and he was the guy that didn't look like he'd never seen a hockey puck before in his first playoff game. So I, I think if you go by experience, I, I think they would lean heavily towards keeping Newhook. And I, I think they really do want to involve Sampo somehow. And I, I think just like we're working through it in our minds, like they're trying to figure out a way that they can keep both because it's obvious that, you know, both of those guys can help the team. I think they should. And there is room like there's 13 forwards now and includes the two of them. So it, it should be something they can do, but we know that they don't like to carry extras. We know that they don't like to carry extra young guys, especially. Right. I don't think they would keep Sampo or Newhook as a 13th forward. And I'd... Right. Someone that won't dress a lot of the time. Yeah. And I agree with them. Like, is it better just to sit around? It's better to play with the Eagles. And I do not believe in big minutes because there's only one person that's going to get big minutes. And we'll see who that one person Anonym? is. might not even be him might not even be him so but yeah they're not gonna have a young guy sit around and i get that it doesn't make any sense so we don't know what'll happen hey like somebody could get injured knock on wood but something could happen in the first couple weeks where where they're both around and then they're gonna stick around but i think they have no intention of playing both of them in the lineup at the same time what i I don't think they'd mind both gonna make the opening night roster and then one of them is going to quietly get sent away. I would expect both to be in the lineup too, Earl. I liked what I saw out of uh, Sampo in the in the games that I did see him. And we've all saw what Newhook brought during the playoffs. He, he did establish himself really well in, in the postseason. I liked what Ronta was able to bring, maybe not quite in that playoff r- showcase, if you want to call it that, but at least in this preseason uh, exhibition, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised with him. So I think that bringing both and allowing them to get that uh, regular season feel and try to f- figure out where these guys can shine, I don't think it's outside their own possibility. Yeah, I mean, I th- they they need to find what questions these guys can answer. You know, I, I don't think anyone has a good handle on that yet. They can't because I mean, both these guys just turned pro last spring. Well, I, I would love for them both to get a chance, but this is just the abs. I'm just saying, like, they have a certain way of doing things, and I don't think their solution is going to be, why don't we just keep both of them and see see what they can bring? That's that's not really how they operate. It's just Sampo is more classically in the things that they like to see from young guys. You know, the breakaways, the aggressive play, the explosive skating. Like, he's more of a battler than New Hook. I think Newhook's kind of played a soft game. Like, if people want to crap on Cout for not playing the heaviest game, Newhook hasn't either. And that's part of what Benner was saying, that he needs to pick it up. And he did, it sounded like he really did play better in that game that night. He was involved, you know, he had the puck more, but last night's game, he did not. And you can look at the analytics and say they were on the same line, they both weren't good. But I can tell you from listening 
Zambo had a lot more flash in his game, a lot more chances, and that kind of stuff that's going to jump out. Yeah, on but Zambo has to. I mean, Sampo is is the guy that has to make the team, whereas Newhook, it was. I don't think Newhook's penciled in at all. I don't. And that's really I, my I know, point. I, and I I know we've been going back and forth on this, but it like if you look at what. The, the abs were thinking in the summertime they were thinking new hook on the roster and sampo is a maybe so if you're the staff you're trying to hone new hooks game so he can be as good as he possibly can be but you know he he needs to be more consistent and responsible whereas sampo needs to make an impression I think they both need to make an impression I think they want to see new hook carry the puck more he's got to do more at five on five with the puck and I'm not saying this to be negative on New Hook at all. If it was my decision, I'd play both of them. Like, like you just see stuff happen. You play New Hook and just things happen. He makes the play or whatever. Like, he makes your team better. But, and I think they're going to have a political because nobody will care if they cut Sambo. <laughs> third, third round or whatever. If they cut New Hook, that's a headline. <laughs> yeah. Right? So this is where, you know, our politics going to work in his favor, which is why I think I don't think they're going to cut Newhook right now. He's going to make the opening night roster. But if they keep both of them, then that gets a little dangerous for Newhook because once the season gets started, you can real quietly send a guy down, especially he doesn't need waivers and everyone's not waiting around for all the tweets. And all of a sudden, it's like, gee, why is Alex Newhook playing for the Colorado Eagles? I don't know. Things like yeah, that but happen. I mean, at this point, you're making the assumption that, that Sampo is going to learn how to play defense and not going to be sitting there. Well, Bettner said his defense was good. He, it's good enough. If his defense wasn't good enough, he wouldn't still be here. Like, it's good enough for what they want. Like, let's be real. They really don't care that much about defense. I mean, they do to a certain no, degree. You can't look like McDermott on every play. I mean, you know. the Well, that guy's not getting cut, <laughs> is he? Yeah, well, Sampo's daddy didn't play with Joe Sackick either. <laughs> I know whose daddy played with Craig Billington. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people in the organization. It's it's what a, it's a coincidence. So I don't know. That's the way I see it. I mean, at the end of the day, is Newhook going to play on this team a lot this year? Yes. Like, even if they do send him down, it's going to be stupid what he does in the AHL. Even just on the power play, he'll have like ten power play points. Yeah, I mean, Newhook proved last year that that he has nothing to learn in the AHL. I mean, I think that's probably the main reason why he's not going to get sent down. Right, it'd be stupid. What is he going to gain there? It's going to be dumb. He's going to score a million points on the power play, and they're going to call him up. But if they're being real about this whole, like, we care about your competitiveness and your battle level and what we need to see, he's not in pen, is just what I'm saying. Maybe this take will sound really dumb a week from now, but I think he's a lot more on the bubble than people want to believe. No, because I, I think, I mean, from what we've seen from Alex Newhook, you know, both leading into his draft year and at BC, it's like you, you wonder about him early in the season and then sort of 
you know, 10 games in, you're like, wow. <laughs> and that's, you know, it, he's just not the quick starter. I mean, he takes a while to get accustomed to, to the way things are. Um, his freshman year in BC, you know, he jumped around, he was on the wing with Boldy at center. And then, you know, they, they switched and they, they put new hook up a line and tried that. And then they finally put new hook at center with Boldy and then Mike Hartman on the other wing. And that clicked and it's just, that took off, you know, that was 10 games into BC's season. And I just, I, I think that's kind of what they're going to get with Alex Newhook. He's going to take a while to study the game and figure out what he needs to do to exploit what he's going to be given. And he's going to take advantage of it, but it's, you know, it's going to take until November. Hopefully he has that much time. One, I'm here for Alex Newhook becoming the next Drew McGinley, if that's what you're telling me, Earl. <laughs> he's not Reggie Jackson. He's not Mr. October. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, with this whole conversation sort of, it sort of leads back to, let's say you did want to play both those guys. And I know, Jackie, they, they generally don't like having that much youth in the lineup at the same time. Um, but, you know, if they do force the, the staff's hand, how do they construct a setting where those guys are going to be successful and, and sort of who's going to pay the price is, is, you know, maybe one of the guys that's in pen right now. See, that's tough because I don't have an, an answer that everyone's healthy and, and sees both of them in the lineup. They don't think they're scratching Helm. They're not scratching O'Connor. They're not scratching Comfer. You know, Maltsev is probably the one they have the least ties to, but I think his role is a little bit different. I think they're looking for more of like a fourth-line center type of role from him. So I, I don't think he's been so much in competition with Newhook and Sambo. No, much. he's a totally different role. It's possible that they'd be more willing to sit him than kind of, if they ever did sort of a rotation. I mean, they hate doing rotation, but... It's a possibility, but I think what Maltsev had to do was he had to beat out Anisimov, and he did. So that was kind of like his Low bar, job. but well done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I think he solidified his spot on the team. Now it's just a matter of what they do with the other board. I know spot. we don't want to talk about JT Com for a lot, but how much <laughs> worse does he have to play before the healthy scratch comes into play. And I know both of us suspect that he was healthy scratched once last year. Well, he, it was because he was like working back from something and then he was ready and they just kind of waited another day. So I mean, it, it is, and it isn't, it's not quite as bad as like you played yeah. last game and you're not playing the next game. Yeah, <laughs> It's just, it was more of a, we don't really need you right. yet, but then they did. As much as I dislike him and I think his game is not going to rebound, I don't know if in a fully healthy lineup he should necessarily be healthy scratched. I think he could make the fourth line actually decent. Well, then, all right, who is the most vulnerable out of the guys that we think are in pen? For a scratch? Let's say Maltev, you know, continues on his upward trajectory he's had during training camp and that, that Sampo and Newhook both give the staff reason to you know really want them in the lineup every night as as far as you know the the guys that are pretty established in the lineup you know who would be the most vulnerable probably Maltsev just because he doesn't have the leash he's also waiver exempt so 
And if they really want to play around with things, they could send him down. He probably wouldn't be down long, but they really want to mess around things. I just, I cannot envision them scratching Helm. Can't envision scratching O'Connor. I don't, I don't know. Is O'Connor really need to play every single game? But I just think they've married themselves to him that he's pretty much going to play every game now. And if he's on the first PK unit, they're not going to scratch him either. Well, plus, I mean, you know, his play has been fine. I mean, you know, he got injured last year, but you know, it's like he's never he's never played himself out of a spot, really. Well, yeah, but this goes back to our last podcast. I don't think his twenty games last year really was like, hey, we know exactly we're getting no. this guy every night for the rest of his career, but. Yeah, they'll play him every night, and it'll be no, fine. No, but he hasn't shown, like, a really bad side. You know, he hasn't declined, let's say. Well, no, the skating's there. I, I don't know if he can be balls to the wall and skate like that. And stay healthy, games, yeah. Night in, night out. Because <laughs> who, yeah. who really can? Yeah, three years to find out. <laughs> that's why he. That's why Bednar loves some of these AHL guys because they get in the lineup, they play balls to the wall. It looks great. Nothing happens, but then even they can't keep the energy. Yeah, level it's incredibly up. tough. Well, especially <laughs> just because it seems like every veteran that comes in from somewhere else is just like, "Wow, I can't believe you know how how <laughs> physically fit you have to be to you know not just play games but to practice with this team on a regular basis." I mean. Which is why those conditioning skates are just funny to see the new guys because it's like there's there's in shape as a professional athlete and then there's right. avalanche. Shape. Yeah, and I, I mean, <laughs> you, you have to wonder sort of if Nizamov had you know a chance at getting into that kind of shape, and I don't know at his age he he could have, but whether that would have affected sort of how he looked in games and and things like that because it's just it it's such a tough, a tough situation for a guy like that to come into a camp and you're looking at everyone and they're like, you know, like up and back, up and back, up and back and not even breathing hard. And you're about to die kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's a thing you can, you can catch up. That's probably not someone of an older age. Yeah, at least. Because it is a progressive thing. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked many times in the AHL. It's like, if, if you're injured in the AHL early in the season, you're, you just really can't catch up. You know, it's, it's very hard to compete kind of with your, your peer group down there when you miss a lot of time, you know, early or, or even mid season, just because you're, you're, you're entering back and everyone else is in so much better game shape. Um, and I, I think that's, uh, not quite the same in the NHL because once you've you know you've been an NHL player, you know what's expected. You you know the regime. You know what you have to do to produce. But they should give these guys the memo. Sometimes I really do when they bring in someone new or they sign a new prospect. I wish I could give them like ten points. Right? Yeah. It's letter. like when you see new guys, and you're like, yeah, I'll show <laughs> up for you know last week of captain's practice, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you're just like, whoa, man. I hope Landy calls you and tells you what's up, man. So you're in for it. It's like, I don't expect the player to know, but man, your agents should really know some yeah. of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably enough about bottom six forwards. 
So one thing that I, I want to talk about a little bit is uh, for those that were able to see it in the Vegas game, uh, the injury to Pavel Frenzos. And it's been released that he's going to be uh, missing a little bit of time. So it's going to be uh, Kepper and Jojo manning the crease for a little while while Pavel's on the mend. Are we back right where we started at the beginning of January when we had the same conversations about Grubauer and the goaltending depth? No, because now we have a real third goalie. <laughs> and yeah. back then we didn't. We had Miska. <laughs> Still do. <laughs> we do, but I think I think they, they figured that out. <laughs> that was so hard to watch just because, you know, first of all, I knew watching it, you know, I, I watched it two days later. I knew that, you know, Frank had hurt his knee, I guess. I mean, you know, obviously it was. They they didn't they didn't say That's so but guess. yeah but you know the the different views that they gave especially the overhead view with him kind of rolling back on it and you know it didn't look that bad and obviously he was putting weight on it when he skated off and things like that and i, I guess he's been spotted at a uh, juice franchise in in the denver area not wearing a brace or anything like that so it's not terrible but just you know how hard he worked to get back all during last last season and to have something like this happen right off the bat it's tough because you just you know that that the avs are you know they they really want to support frank and everything like that but it just they they don't have a lot of tolerance for you know an injury history compounding itself like that and i almost feel like it's on the table to make frank the starter moving forward but obviously, if they can't count on his health, that that's yeah, a big no. I think that's no. off the table now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you look at his issues one way. Is he injury prone or is it just too not playing that long? It just makes other things more susceptible yeah, I mean, if- to tweaks and, and et cetera. And he's not the youngest guy either. So I don't know. I, they're certainly better with him playing. Yeah. I, and, and to to Vlad's question, I do think they're in a better spot because I feel Kemper is comparable to Grubauer. At least they have a real third goaltender. They have to play JoJo a few games. We're okay with that. Um, he does seem to be better when he gets in a groove. You know, him coming off the bench the other night wasn't great, but that's also not a great situation. Yeah, for I don't know. Bednar kind of gave him the side eye for not being prepared for that. Like, you should be, but it is preseason. So, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think that was that bad. Like, you know, if he was just sitting there. You can't really judge him off Right, of that. like, and it's it... one thing to be in an NHL game and, like, you know, Frank and, and others have talked about, and, and Budai, you know, it's like you're sitting there and you're basically thinking, like, you know, I'm a minute from going in. You know, it, it's not a stress thing, but it's like you have to be mentally prepared. Like, you know, if something happens right now, I've got to be ready to go in. And I just, you know, I don't think in a preseason game that JoJo was really of that mentality. Well, no. Well, Bedner also did say they had a long practice with the non-game right. group. So he was already, you know, that wouldn't happen as an NHL right. backup. I don't know. I mean, there's there are some people that are worried about JoJo because he does have a pretty inconsistent track record. But I do feel like he legitimately helped the Avs last season. And he is a legitimate third goaltender, which they haven't had for a few years. And people that are familiar with this podcast know just how we've been confounded about their goalie strategies for years. They don't do what a lot of us would do. 
seem to kind of like to play this game of chicken, so at least they have JoJo. But if one more thing happens, they are going to be desperate. I'm not sure but they would be. You could say that about every other team. Who, would, who wouldn't be desperate when two goaltenders go down? So I think they're an I, okay I think spot. Bednar was fairly impressed with Annan, and, and, you know, we all know he's not ready to, to come up to the NHL to play a lot of games, but... If he had to be, like, the emergency f- number yeah. four... Sure. I mean, he he does he is going to need NHL chances sooner than later if they're serious about him as an NHL goalie. Right. I mean, let's say, you know, Jojo got COVID or something like that and and they had to come up they had to call Annan up to be the backup. I think they'd be fine with that. I don't think they would be scrambling to pick up, you know, just whoever the hell happened to be on waivers that week. Well, hopefully not. Or trade for a guy that was waiver exempt. Come on down. <laughs> but what if Ananin gets three games deep and then they get sick of him? Like they get sick of the or other Or what if guys? he comes in and plays three games and plays really well? I mean. I know. It could be the next Calvin well, Pickard. they don't have a lot of goalies signed next year as usual. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think sort of by the end of the year, I think that's that's a question they'd like to to see is sort of where would Annan fit on a depth chart going into next year? You know, can he handle being the third well, guy? Well, the hope would be he could yeah. be a third. Yeah. You know, I, I would definitely think that's something they, they'd want to see. I, I think he's trending that way. I, I think if he gets a decent amount of games on small ice, I, I think some of the, you know, sort of the last parts of the transition he needs to make from, from Europe to North America will get sort of fleshed out of, you know, how they evaluate him because that's something you, you kind of have to look at with every goaltender that comes over is like how much of this is the guy's ability and how much of this is just adapting to different conditions. It would be nice. <laughs> as long as his first taste isn't, you know, a, a nice uh, healthy shutout against the Winnipeg Jets and then he gets murdered by Connor McDavid <laughs> the next night. And the power play. Yeah. And the power play. <laughs> Well, it's just, yeah. I mean, you look at not only Werner, but the way Pickard entered the league and then sort of got his big chance in, in the season that shall not be remembered. You know, it's like those guys did pretty well to start off. And, you know, obviously the team let him down in both cases. Well, you could put Spencer Martin in there, too. Yeah. Like the exact yeah. same thing. I, I think they're just light years ahead of where they were then, you know, at least in Pickard's case. You know, it's like they've they've hired Budai as their roving goalie consultant now, and, and it's not just Jean Yan doing whatever he did, which which probably wasn't as much as Budai is going to do. Would they sign Budai if they get desperate enough? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out! It's happened in other organizations, right? <laughs> it's not like he stopped playing ten years ago. Like he's younger than Craig. Like Anderson. he could be a good e bug, you know. <laughs> now that would be played before chess. Yeah, that. If it means one more chance to see the Ned Flanders helmet on ballerina ice, count would, me in. I mean, would you feel more confident with Peter Budai in net or Hunter Miska? <laughs> oh, Peter Budai, <laughs> beyond a doubt. <laughs> I think that's. Sorry, Eagles fans. They love Miska <laughs> so much. I know. They do. And he was the first guy cut. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, he and Miner were basically concurrent, but. 
No, Miska got the we're just not going to announce it for three days. Yeah. Which is kind of what they did when he had COVID or when he, t- I think he was a false positive, but it's a false positive COVID. He, he was already on the Eagles roster before he had like legitimately cleared the NHL COVID list. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think in general, I feel better about this year's goalie situation. Like obviously that I, I don't see them needing to go out and get not one, but two goalies at the deadline kind of thing. Well, not even that, that they're going to like trade Cout for a waiver exempt goalie that isn't very good just because he's waiver exempt. Like, these are concerns. Like, what do they just trade for, like, Aaron Dell or Michael Hutchinson? Yeah, I mean, it just, you look at what they have, and, and you know, Bednar spoken to this. They, they have depth that they did not have last year. You know, I, I, well, I don't think they would hesitate to put Annan in, in an NHL game where they just they wouldn't with Warner. That's a good question. Are they be willing to do it right now? I guess it depends on the circumstances. Like for opening they night, really felt I like mean, it was... maybe not. But I, I mean, I do think, let's say by Thanksgiving, they'd know, you know, pretty well whether how how comfortable they would be like having to do that. I hope it would be an option instead of go out and trade for something. Yeah. I mean... Well, ironically, Thanksgiving is our first back to back of the season. <laughs> wow. True. They might need someone, but. Bednar did play Grubauer back to back. Yeah, I mean, it's not above doing. I think it's it. going to be interesting to see how they decide to use Kemper. You know, if if they, I mean, they tend to grind goalies to dust here. You know, is is it the kind of thing where they're not going to worry too much about overplaying Kemper? You know, early in the season. I mean, the the tempo isn't very high, so I, I think he could play just about all the games and not sort of give you the willies about an injury happening. You know, I think they would want to play Jojo. They, they might play Jojo against, you know, only the easiest of easy competition. Well, it, I think it's also easier if like they've had a few wins in a row yeah. too. It's not like they necessarily see it as a throwaway, but just it's less pressure, you know, things yeah, like I mean, that. I, I think all in all, they have they are more prepared goalie-wise this year than they've been, you know, basically ever. Well, I like the depth too, but it is already being tested, so we'll see. They have to trust it. Like, I, you know, this is the time where you can go get a third off of waivers, and they're not going to carry 28 or 23 so this would be the time where you, you could basically just get yourself some free goalie insurance. But they they don't think like I think about the goaltending whatsoever. So they're not going to do that. Just I absolutely hate the trading just because a guy had cleared waivers or is waiver <laughs> exempt. If that happens again, I will lose my <laughs> mind. Like, I know I've lost my mind before, but truly, 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 I hate, it is just such a waste. It's just like going out into the street and just throwing money down the street. Like, it's just, it's incredulous, really. So as long as they don't do that, I hope they lean on what they have. I hope if some craziness happens, they're willing to play Ammon, <laughs> and that would be amazing. But we'll see. I guess we need to talk about the defense. We Boy, really Sam's had a preseason. Yet. <laughs> yeah well he's a machine and it's it's like he deserves it after he got crapped on all summer i hope he comes if if anybody could come out and scoring i mean Bo scoring would be pretty cool but sam like 
He deserves to shove it in people's faces. I mean, he's looked head and shoulders above every defenseman. Well, he's a machine. Like he must prepare like crazy. Yeah. He just he can play forever. He can do everything. Like he's he's and he's very consistent too. Force of nature, a tornado, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of forget sort of what he and EJ looked like together. And I, I think we were we were reminded of that not just in the game, but in their press conference afterwards. You know, it's like those guys, you know, genuine have an affection for each other on and off the ice. You forgot how good their chemistry is. Like they have such good chemistry yeah. together. I mean, it's it's just so tough with EJ. I mean, I, I mean, I know he's been here forever, and he's he's always been one of my favorite guys. But you know, like that, you know, the one game that we got to see, he just looked like he was having so much fun out there, and you just felt so good for it him. It was pretty um, cool, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, last year must have been excruciating. Yeah, he had those for two him. goals. Oh yeah, like I think he even said he started to doubt like could he even get over the hump and come back and of course like if anybody needed those two goals it was him and then he also had a couple other fun moments that I don't remember what they were exactly but like you said he was just having such a good time just enjoying the game again and and hopefully he can you know play a lot of this season yeah. and uh and I'm cool with them reuniting him with Sam. We know that how Pratt loves to mix things up and everyone's going to play with everyone. And I'm sure EJ will play with Byram at some points and, and, it, and it'll be fine. But to reunite that pair to start, I think is yeah. a good idea. I mean, that's, I mean if, if your top four is Taves and McCarr and EJ and Sam, I mean, you're, you're just not going to be able to compete with that. <laughs> when you look at the timeline, I at the end of the day, I don't. I don't think EJ is going to be in the top four. But you know, on paper. Oh, but I, like, <laughs> I think if he's healthy, he's going to play a lot. I just, I look at it like if you can get sixty games out of him, that's fantastic. I think they're going to ease down on him a little bit. Like in certain situations, of course, you know, if the the opponent has an empty net, things like that, where you, where he's going to rack up like two, three minutes pretty easily. Those things will happen, but I think just in general, like just straight up five on five play, I think he will fall in more of the third pair just if you rack out the time on ice. Also, because Byram is such an easy guy to give extra minutes to, like you're going to look at his time on ice and you're going to be like, wow, it's over 20 again. Like he's just so easy to give extra five on five yeah. shifts. I mean, to. the only thing with Byram, and you know, I think we've seen this with a lot of the younger players, is they just, you know, they're not into special teams for guys right off the bat, especially yeah, defensemen. And they- They've dabbled a little the PK with Byron, but he's he's definitely not going to be like a unit one, two, probably even three PK guy. But that's okay. But it's like if a D's in the box or something, I think they know they could at least yeah, use him. It's, it's exactly the same way they felt about Timmons. You know, it's just I I think it's it's not all a trust issue. I I think it's something where they want the young guys to be able to focus on their five on five play. And and Bednar even said this with Bo last year. I think they trust him pretty good on five on five. Even if you look at the time on ice from his three preseason games, like the first two games he played yeah. as the number one, which I think that's pretty interesting that they like, they've mostly kept him separated from a lot of the other decent players. And they've kind of been like, well, can you pretty much carry this team? I guess carries a little strong. Cause it's not like he was only NHL player, but he was definitely the number one D in the first two games he played. And then, Last night, he was definitely, like, solid. But who knows, because we couldn't see it. (laughs) (laughs) 
at least from an I've it it sucks because two of the three games he played wasn't wasn't televised and I enjoy watching him play. But from the game we saw and I did listen to the two games, it does sound like he is playing a lot more aggressive, carrying the puck, shooting, you know, making trying to make things happen in the offensive zone, which I think some people were worried about. Like he was never gonna do any of those things again. And it's like <laughs> have you watched him play? Like that is his game. Yeah. But of course doing it in the NHL is a completely different story, but that's just who he is. Like he's going to make plays right. like and, that. And for me, the fact that he the two games that weren't televised that he played in, you know, you can glean a little bit from going through the stats, but you you just kinda wanna see, you know, what kind of players he was matched up against and, and what kind of situations he was used in and, and just, you know, sort of think about what, what Pratt is thinking about how they're gonna use him starting next week what i liked last night is they would put byram and gerard in offensive situations it wasn't just late too like i think in the end of the first period they um dallas had iced the puck i think it was at the very end of the period they put byram and sam out for the face off so and then they start doing that more later in the game as they needed more offense so that could be something that they try to do moving on into the last night's seasons. usage was interesting just sort of see who they abandoned and who they started to lean on more as far as looking for offense you know, especially since it, w- it wasn't jared bednar coaching the team it was ray bennett who i i do think has some difference of opinion in what he'd like to see out of certain guys well, what what did you think you noticed? Would was I just a I, I think he's more willing to use young guys than Bednar is, and that's weird because obviously he's an older gentleman. But it, it does seem like he puts more of a premium on talent than Bednar does, whereas Bednar is is kind of experience first. I think it's hard to say because that was clearly the evaluation game. So maybe tomorrow's game will give a better indication yeah. of how he wants to deploy these guys. But we knew going into preseason that was going to be like the play for you. Yeah, I just I, I think I think Ray Bennett being an offensive guy, you know, I, I do think that he puts a little bit more premium on what a guy can do puck skill wise you know he's willing to go a little bit out of the comfort range of most of the staff to get a little bit more offensive pop i wish he'd go out of the box on the power yeah and you know and this is with the caveat that i've hated his power play ever since he got here but i i do think the things that he does away from the power play are not bad because he's generally the guy that communicates with you know, the video coaches in the in the box and things like that. And he's the one that sort of, you know, he's, he makes more strategic decisions and, and relays those kind of conclusions, I guess, to, to Bednar during the game. You know, I, I'll take back some of the things I said about Ray. <laughs> <laughs> For, For now, now. right? <laughs> well, who else have we seen on D? Like, we haven't actually been able to see, well, we did see Murray play in that terrible yeah. game at home against Vegas. So that one is really tough to evaluate him. And then yesterday he was with Byron, which would have been fun to watch, but maybe we'll get to see that tomorrow. It kind of reiterates what I thought about him in camp. He seems mostly solid, but I would have expected a bit more. I mean, the reputation he's had has always been like good with the puck, except shooting. Like I'm not expecting toe drags and stuff, but I just thought he'd just have a little bit more raw. Up skill. I think he does. I think 
what I was seeing in the Vegas game, which obviously didn't go very well, is that his outlet passes and his breakout passes were not good. And part of that is like Vegas obviously just pressures you to death. And he's coming from the Eastern Conference and hasn't dealt with that a lot. But it's just, you know, it's a system thing. He's, you know, he, he, he has played, he did play that back-to-back. You know, that was the second game of two for him, back-to-back. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Like, he didn't play the first week, okay. And who knows, maybe maybe he indicated he preferred that. But back-to-back, tra- day of travel? That's also when McDonald <laughs> and EJ were banged up, as they put it. So that that might have been something like they they just asked him like, hey, you know, can you go a, a second night? We know it's not optimum. I I guess they they did really need a bet in that lineup. So maybe it's it's possible, but somebody like him, where maybe you want to ease him into things a little bit. That yeah. was, uh, but he's a smart guy, and I don't. I mean, I think that he'll eventually get the system dialed in pretty good. I, I I'm not really worried about his outlet passes or anything like that. I. You know, I think he's going to be pretty solid. What I was more impressed with was sort of his his defensive acumen. Like he was pretty good at maintaining gaps and positioning already. And and if you're you know if you're Nolan Pratt, that's kind of what you want to see. Like you obviously you never want to see people turning the puck over left and right, but he's got the assignments down, and that's that's a good base to work from. Yeah, I'm generally positive with him, too. I guess let's see who else. We haven't seen Makar. I mean, I've seen him in camp and stuff. He looks fine. I honestly think it's more of like a truly bubble wrap kind of thing rather than like he might not play. But the the truth's going to come out soon, though. (laughs) I think they'd really like to see him play that game tomorrow. And if he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. But like we really need him to play on Wednesday. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I... If if he's not in the opening night lineup, then that's, you know, and I know how we all have that, to look at it. Like, you know, the guy is injured until he's actually playing in a real life game and everything. <laughs> I'm just saying the vibe I get is that he really is okay, but right. He's not okay. I also get the vibe he's... that he's very conservative with his own health evaluation. Yes. Yes. Yep, I feel that way too. It's like, <laughs> I think it's the like, staff does too. <laughs> like, Kale, we love you, but you might not be a hundred percent like ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe if he doesn't want to go tomorrow, whatever. But we we, re- we really hope for one. Out of the depth guys, I mean, did anyone stand out for for you positively? Mm, it's kind of hard when they all play in the same game and they were all bad. Yeah, you know. Barron's had had some good moments. I I can see why they've been happy with him. He has had some mistakes, which I I think some others would have gotten really crucified for. Like if Byram even made like a third of the mistakes that Barron does. And I know that Byram is like on. I was worried, but after seeing him and he's he's on the team. Okay, so his standard is higher. But I also think, boy, some of the guys that they like, they really tend to be a lot more forgiving. So Barron's had some moments, good or bad, but I like that he's still around. So I guess he'd probably be my vote. I don't think McDonald's particularly been good. I I can see Gilbert's a little bit better in certain areas. I still don't like him. Middleton was terrible. McDermott, oh dear God, what are they going to do? I threw the blue line. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't really... Like if if you had to play McDonald for a game or whatever, they'd be fine. 
Like, I don't hate him, but I don't think he's really looked that good either. Uh, it's yeah, tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, I, I think when, you know, obviously when he was playing well, it's because there were a lot of injuries and he ended up playing further in the lineup than you would normally see him. And you, you put him with Sam Gerrard or whoever. Right. Well, that helps too. It almost, it, it in a way, it's going to sound crazy, but I feel like he was playing a simpler game, which you'd say he he doesn't really, but it just seemed more focused. Like he kind of like got the two or three things he's good at and just did them. And now it's sort of like he's trying to figure out what the heck he can do on this team again. It's sort of the feeling well, I just, get. It, it seems to be when he's on the third pair, he's asked to, to do a little more than just be a complimentary guy when when he was with Sam or or Taves or whoever and i i think that's where he struggles it's like you know he's he's an older guy but he's really not that experienced in the NHL you know he can't be the fifth defenseman like he's not going to be able to carry a third pair he's not going to be able to be the responsible guy on a pairing like that you know it's like i i think you could put him with Jack Johnson and and he'd probably do pretty well so we, might we might see that tomorrow but that's that's the other elephant in the room is can I definitively say any of these guys have been better than Jack Johnson? And I don't think I can I, say that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would rather have Baron in the lineup than Jack Johnson. And, but you know, I'm a riverboat gambler in, in that sense. I'm willing <laughs> to take the mistakes that Baron's going to make just because I, I think he brings things that they would need more. And having that third right-handed defenseman is fairly important. But if you were ever going to make the argument that AHL time might right. help a guy at this stage of his yeah. career, it's from barren. a pure talent perspective. I, I, there's no one in, in that depth miasma that, that comes close to Baron. I mean, I wouldn't hate it either. Like I wouldn't argue against, please don't do it. But knowing how they think like, it's pretty cool. He's still around. And if he gets in that game tomorrow, that's, that's a pretty big statement too, but they're just, they're seriously not going to yeah. do it. <laughs> not especially when Byram's a young guy and, and he's sort of in a different expectation and a different level, but it's sort of the same argument between, I never thought they could handle Byram and Timmons at the same time. Like they're not going to handle Byram and Baron at the same time and either. They really shouldn't. I mean, that's just, they're better off letting Baron learn his craft a little bit. And then if they need to bring him up later on, then Bo's going to be more be experienced nice. and be able to handle yeah. a, a little more as well. Right, that'd be cool. I would I would love that. Hopefully they make real call-ups this year. If we're sitting here in December and we're justifying it by saying, well, they're probably not going to play. They're just for the press box. But it, I, I do think you're right that Jack Johnson you know, is definitely more polished than anyone else that, that was in that cadre. He's gotten progressively worse, which is troubling. Um, as the level of competition has risen, you know, he hasn't really stepped up. He's looked worse. You know, you wonder some of that is just, you know, er everything that everybody says about Jack Johnson being terrible coming true, or is it the conditioning thing is getting to him where he can't recover quickly enough between games and uh, he's just not, he's not 100% physically able like he needs to be. I'll be interested to see him tomorrow. I think that'll definitely help be able to see what he can handle. It is interesting that he's not signed yet. Like, are, are they really thinking about it too? But I still don't see that they have really a great option. I, I don't know. Unless they get surprised that Taze is going to be ready. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like they're waiting for some yeah. reason. 
but I don't know what tomorrow's really going to tell them all that different. And I think it's either. a positive that they're hesitant about it. Um, and maybe they're not. Maybe maybe this is just a done deal and, and it, this is just a formality, but... It seems a touch late. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they're really gung-ho on it, they would have sent it into the league and announced it. But it it doesn't mean the ship sailed, but it does feel like they're thinking about well, I mean, the ramifications of it. You know, it's like you sign them like, yeah, you own them for the whole year. I mean, that's just, you know, you're not going to send Jack Johnson to the AHL. Like, he's going to be on your roster all year. And he's probably not going to be able to play well for more than 40 games max. I mean, if they're willing to make him be the seventh, if, you know, let's hope they're, they're ever fully healthy on defense. I think that's okay. Like, he's probably a decent guy to have as your seventh. Now, if it starts where they start hedging Byram out of the lineup, that's when I'd have a big problem with it. I don't think they do that right now, but we know how they love veterans. And <laughs> I, I just, I don't think he's shown what he needs to, to do that. But it, you know, if you're looking at oh, sort of the thought process they went through to get Nemeth last year, you know, it's like if, if signing Jack Johnson now saves them from getting a Nemeth at the deadline, you know, then maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, does that beg the question? Do you trust your known commodities in your McDonald's, for example, over your not quite so known commodity in a PTO for Jack Johnson? Well, that's another question. Like, can they stomach 10, 15 games of McDonald or Gilbert if they need to? And maybe they feel a little bit better about Gilbert Seems like now. like they do. You know, does that change it too? So yeah, that's part of it too. Like, are they comfortable enough with McDonald and Gilbert to not need that guy? But I think to Earl's point as well, then you can't change your mind at the deadline. And yeah, if you sign Jack end. Johnson now, that's like, that's, you know, you, you get to keep your third, you know, it's like you're stuck with the, your defense. You know, if you do make a defensive move, then it's, you know, it's, it's got to be a difference maker kind of thing. So you buy your Jack Johnson yeah. now to save your trade deadline later. I prefer free, yeah. <laughs> personally. <laughs> I think well, they have free enough. and known quantity. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you, you, you get Jack Johnson. I, I'm assuming that at, at worst, he's going to be at the variable minimum of 1 million point zero five. I would think so definitely. You, you've got your cost certainty. You've got your draft pick you get to keep, you know, there are benefits that, you know, again, the only negative is like, you're stuck with him. It's, you know, he's not going to the AHL. You're going to have him on the roster all year, no matter what. Well, I mean, you could wait. Yeah, they're not. Just because you signed him (laughs) off the peak. Well, (laughs) okay, are we talking about what actually would happen or what could happen? I mean, you're talking about the variable limit. I mean, that's relevant. I'm just saying, like, that's sort of... If he's terrible, then, you know, you can do something with him, but... I, I would definitely say that's not the intent. Right. If, sure. And if, you know, if they said straight up, like, this is going to be a $750,000 league minimum deal, and he's like, that's cool. Um, it could even be too, I doubt it, but it could be too. No, like, some of the PTO that. guys that signed up were too No, ways. there's no way to, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but he needs <laughs> the money. I mean, that's. I don't think 70 grand helps Jack Johnson that much right now. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the ELC two-way. Jeez. Well, I mean, that's your standard two-way. I mean, I don't know, you know. That, that's the ELC right. two-way. Like, anybody else gets it's like 100. No, I mean, I think if you're Jack Johnson, you're like, look, I make the team or I don't, you know, and I go sell insurance or whatever. <laughs> Overall, I think he's been okay we'll we'll see tomorrow but i'm not pissed if they yeah. sign him 
as long as they're willing to like understand that he's like the seventh, that if they have to scratch him, if they're ever miraculously right. healthy, then I take that over. What are they going to do down yeah. the line? And then the elephant in the room we're missing here is is McDermott. Obviously, is you know it it doesn't seem like they're thinking about waving him, even though they should. Yeah, that one's going to be an interesting one, how they justify McDermott and how right. they use well, him. Well, it's not even, even if they don't use him, even though they should waive him, they have a sunk cost that, you know, I, I just, I don't think that they'd be willing to, you know, just sort of say like, oh, we, we threw away a fourth round pick on a guy that got snagged on waivers in the first week of the season. Well, they wouldn't do it right away. If they ever have to have like a come to Jesus moment and make a decision, it'll be later down. I mean, the line. with injuries, it might come quicker than you think. Because it, it, like, if he's just taking up space on the roster and they're having to put someone on LTIR because of him or something like that, I mean, then you're starting to think like. Eh. But then they'd be using him. Well, <laughs> I mean, if it's thing. let's say the defensemen are all heavy are all fine, and you know you've got Frankie out, and then a couple forwards get hurt or something like that, I mean, it's. You know, then you're you're into the situation where you know you might have to get rid of his salary somehow, and you might have to waive him, or you know they might come to the realization that that he's not actually an NHL player, which he isn't, because there's there's absolutely nothing we've seen in preseason that has indicated that that he could handle playing you know even three or four shifts a game. Yeah, and. It... It's like, we definitely want to hate him, but it's just, we're also looking for something, anything. And, and he hasn't even had those tough guy moments. Like Gilbert had the tough guy moments. And I understand that something that has to kind of be in the moment come natural. Nobody wants like staged crap, but he's not even really quote unquote, you know, taking care of business in the games that he's played. So what is he doing? Yeah, it's just, I you know, I think it's tough when you're playing that badly to you know go out and challenge guys like that. I mean, I, I just I think <laughs> I don't think people would accept the challenge. Just looking at you like, no, I'm not fighting some AHL scrub. That one will definitely be interesting to see how it e- evolves. If the Avs can ever admit it or figure out some way, yeah, it's I mean, work. I, I think it's it's one of those things that you know they're they're going to have to put them in, in a couple NHL games, and you know they can't hide after that. You know, e- even Chambers is going to be like, uh... I don't know about <laughs> that because <laughs> no, I I think. There is a he, there is a level a of moment, talent though. that is so bad that even Chambers is like no, <laughs> no. He's got to have his tough guy moment though. If he does, then he's okay. And Chambers, yeah, fine. he can be Burroughs. He can have that one fight, and everything else is justified. But I, I, I don't think so. Even I mean, I, I really think that you know he's been built up as this this scary fellow that's going to end all injuries for the Abs or whatever. You know, and. It, if he's on the ice for a lot of goals and he's, you know, guys are still getting cracked and injured and stuff like that, then, you know. Well, the whole deterrent thing didn't make sense when you had Gilbert get in a fight. You had Landy try to fight. What are we deterring here? Nothing. This would be the point where Steph would say this is fraud detection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just. I wonder where the disconnect is. You know, I I wonder if there are factions that are in favor of this move and factions that are not and and who's on which side. 
Well, it, it's certainly not just the abs. We've seen it around the league. Like other teams are responding this way where they think they need to get tougher or whatever. Like I joked they should have just kept Geertsen. And then like two days later, New Jersey decided to go out and get the Geertsen for the same reason. <laughs> And he's now a forward that's apparently going to be an enforcer. I don't know how long they're going to roll with it, but it seems like they at least intend to try it. So, so did the Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So it, it's not like the Avs are alone in this thinking, but I think we've no, also I, I seen... I mean, inside the Avalanche organization, I think there's, there's factions that were really in favor of this move, and then they're probably, you know, I think if you're on the coaching staff, you're really questioning, like, you know, can I play this guy in a game, like, for real? Well, I think we've seen the Avs in all their other moves that sometimes they don't match up, that, you know, maybe are the pro scouts a little more old school? You know, do the analytics guys have their input sometimes, not others? There, there probably are split opinions, and... I think Benner is a guy that does appreciate some of that old school, you know, he was the minor league guy, coached a long time. Like he's kind of seen how that stuff comes up more, even though the AHL has cleaned up a lot, not completely. Yeah, but, but I, I I mean I think number one, he you know, he requires you to be doing your job, you know, outside of that. And we'll, and we'll see how they reconcile that because I like toughness in the game, but I like guys that can play yeah. the game. Like I would like them to find, you know, I would have rather gone for, let's say, Sam Bennett and said, you know, look, look for more like real players that could maybe bring a little tougher element. That's the direction I would. I mean, gone. I'd even take Gilbert there. You know, even though even I, though he's not a very good I, fighter, he's at least <laughs> you know he can skate, and it, it appears he comprehends the system you know i mean that's definitely that's like making the liam o'brien argument i maybe for like a game but no i want real nhl players if you want more toughness you go get real nhl players that are tough you don't think that you can just like i mean yeah it's like you want tom wilson i mean it's like well sure everybody would love a a kachuk right like there's a lot of people that couldn't even deal with tom wilson (laughs) I don't think Avs fans could deal I, with Tom Yeah, Wilson. I know I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but sure, if you could go out and get a Kachuk and you could have real NHL player and real toughness, right. And there's not a lot of those guys. But if you want to make it a priority, that's what you have to do. You have to go out and get some of these guys. You can't just like invent one <laughs> because they were in the minor league and they hit somebody once. They get up to the NHL, and guess what? They're still not an NHL player. It doesn't matter how tough they yeah. are. And we're going to see that play out. I don't know. I don't know what the Mendoza line for him is. How bad does it have to be to say, we can't do this? This isn't good enough for our team. Or how much fighting, how much gooning does he have to do for them to say, this is fantastic, and we don't have the answer to any of this. Up right. To this point. And at the end of the day, I mean, you look at, you know, Av's goons through history. It's like, you know, Chris Simon was actually a very skilled player, you know, for a fighter. Bordalo has way more skill or, or had way more skill than McDermott does. Um, even Cody did. You know, it's like all those guys were able to score goals in the NHL. And it just, 
you know, with McDermott, you're just like, yeah, he, he could have a shot bouncing off somebody from the point once in a while, I guess. You know, it's like I, I was trying to look at how he played offensively, and it's like he's kind of like Zadorov. You know, obviously not <laughs> not quite as good. It's just you know he might boom one in from the point once in a while. You know, those those. Or he might take out whatever forwards yeah, down low. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, a broken arm's a broken arm. Well, the Avs have one more chance to figure that out before we start things for real next week. <laughs> and it does uh, it does appear he's going to play. We'll see. At least maybe. has a good chance. Uh, he might not play tomorrow. I think they have enough others they need to see. But we'll see. Is he in the opening night lineup? I don't know. So hopefully a few questions will get answered tomorrow, but you know, a lot of others will need to unfold during the season. Yeah, well, folks, we are at the 100 uh, minute mark here of our uh, podcast for the night. Boom. Time flies, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yep, the sound of the barking dog means it's time to wrap things up for the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> So, again, Avs are wrapping up preseason tomorrow on home ice at uh, 5 p.m. local start against the Dallas Stars. It's the last, as Jackie puts it, the dress rehearsal before things kick off for real next week on Wednesday against the Chicago Blackhawks. That game starts at 8 p.m. Denver time. It is allegedly a nationally televised game on ESPN. I think it's on TNT. TNT? Yeah. Yeah. So if you bought your ESPN Plus... It ain't going to work for that. Might be time to look for TNT on your provider package, whatever that may be. <laughs> and until we do this thing again, you know, thanks for listening. And uh, Earl, Jackie, thanks for uh, a good first show in the captain's chair. And thank chair. you for hosting. Thank you, Vlad. Yeah, you made it possible tonight. And thanks, so Craig. We definitely appreciate it. Yes, can't yeah. forget our our uh, our new co-host, Craig. <laughs> not the Billington variety <laughs> we didn't name him <laughs> not on purpose no but that is a nice twist of irony <laughs> <laughs> like so until you hear our voices next uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next time <laughs>